Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson, and today we will be getting into Joe Biden and his inability to string a sentence together that actually makes sense. We'll also be getting to some more coronavirus news, as many are claiming that abortion is now essential. We'll also get to Nancy Pelosi's response to Trump's handling of the coronavirus and Mike Lindell, founder of MyPillow. Stay tuned. You're listening to James Wilson. All right, so before we get into coronavirus today, I think it's important to talk about something other than the coronavirus, as this is something that has been on the news the past couple of weeks now, consuming the news. There's nothing else to talk about. So I figured we might as well start it out with something different today which happens to be about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the Democratic frontrunner at this point. There's almost no way Bernie Sanders is actually going to get the nomination. Ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. I'd be very surprised if it were to happen otherwise, just because of how far Joe Biden is ahead in delegate counts and his support. However, as we will find out and discuss, his support isn't very enthusiastic about him. But Joe Biden recently, especially recently, has have been having a really hard time even just stringing a simple sentence together that actually makes sense. Now, Joe Biden has always kind of had this problem since June when the debates began, but we start to see how he is really starting to lose it now that we're in the final stages of the Democratic primary, as he is most likely to be the nomination. It's actually really funny to try to watch him, you know, when he's on Meet the Press or MSNBC, NBC, CNN, any of those coverages. It's it's funny to watch how many mistakes Joe Biden makes and how incompetent he actually looks. So here's a supercut video of all of Joe Biden's mistakes. And this is all like in the last week. This is all stuff that has happened so recently. And it's just it's really funny to watch. So without further ado, I'll, I'll play you that clip. Been, uh, tested for the coronavirus? No, I, I have not been tested for the coronavirus. Uh, I've had, thank God, no symptoms that I'm aware of. Doesn't mean that that can't happen. Not for the next round of primaries, <coughs> including... <coughs> I've not talked to any individual. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, you're supposed to cough into your elbow. I don't know, sir. That's, I learned that actually covering your White House. That's, that you no, took, I, Actually, actually, that's true, but fortunately, I'm alone in my home, but that's okay. Vice President Biden, thank you so much for your time. Please stay healthy. For keeping businesses shut. We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. And what is it like to be a candidate in the time of social distancing? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing fine, thank you. <clears throat> and I think we've been... Public, but first of all, in this crisis, <clears throat> I'd like to talk earlier. He's talking... <clears throat> and I tell you what, I'm so darn proud and those poor people who have lost you know anyway it's just mm-hmm. my heart goes out to no me. no no listen we have to make a choice about who leads this country i just i just can't figure the guy it's like it's, i don't know it's like watching a yo-yo i shouldn't have said it that way it's like watching it feels that way i want to ask i want <laughs> It's okay about um, the reporting in the New York Floyd to home alone um, with children. Why doesn't he just act like a president? That's a stupid way to say it. You know, Donald Trump was asked. Sorry. 
Go ahead. No, no, probably best I don't. So that's just a little clip of Joe Biden for you. Obviously, the first half of that was Joe Biden coughing all over the place. It's funny to see Joe Biden tell Trump that his response is so wrong and that Trump is, you know, you know, there's Trump is doing so much wrong and he's responsible for so much of this. And then he's on, you know, MSNBC in this case, and he's just coughing everywhere. Like, he does, like, what are you, the message you're trying to promote is directly in opposite of what you are actually doing at that very moment. This is serious, and Donald Trump is responsible, and then coughing all over the place. Good stuff. It's also funny to watch the lady, the second half of the video, interviewing Joe Biden, you know, was almost about to laugh the entire time. Just Joe Biden being becoming more slow, more sleepy, really not good for Joe Biden going into, you know, the 2020 election against Donald Trump. So now let's talk about whether this will hurt him or the or will help him. So as we all know, the coronavirus is a big thing right now covering the news. And if you actually start to think about it, the coronavirus has become so big in the news right now, that's all the that's where all the attention has become. No one is thinking about the Democratic primary anymore. Most people already consider Joe Biden to be the nominee just because of how ahead he is at this point. And all the news is focused on the coronavirus. So not as much focus on him, his policies, what he thinks etc, etc. Now, is this good for Joe Biden? Is this bad for Trump or vice versa? So let's get into it a little bit. So after just playing that clip, you start to see how in a way this is almost good for Joe Biden because Joe Biden is falling apart so hard that if that if he is going to go up against Trump and that's what people are focused on, not again, not um, from the coronavirus, Voters will start to see how incompetent Joe Biden actually is, how he has the hardest time stringing even one sentence together that actually makes sense. I mean, half the things he said, as you see in this video, he replies with, I should have put it, I should not have put it that way. You know, like, that's a great thing to hear if you're about to vote for a presidential candidate. So in a way, the coronavirus is taking the focus off Joe Biden, which is good for him, but what the coronavirus has actually done is this is, if you look at the coronavirus polls, many people, more than his actual approval rating, approve of the way that Trump is handling the coronavirus, which is actually good for President Trump because he needs that extra support in the last, in this, the final push before the 2020 election to get him into that. So because the focus is on Trump and because he has fairly good polling numbers about the way he is handling the coronavirus, it also looks somewhat good for Trump. However, you do have to point out that the economy has been crashing. It has been doing terrible. Unemployment rate is going up. And that's not necessarily Trump's fault. In part, I would mo mostly blame that on China just because of the misinformation they spread about the coronavirus, the lies they told the World Health Organization downplaying the seriousness of this until it became a big thing, a global pandemic all around the world. So it actually blame China. But many people do look to President Donald Trump and the economy crashing, unemployment rate going up. So 
it's interesting to balance whether more people take into consideration that or the fact that they actually approve of what Donald Trump is actually doing. So does it hurt Joe Biden? I think it kind of does. It focuses on Trump. Many people are happy with the way Trump is handling this. They, Most people, many Democrats are associating the coronavirus with Trump, which is not a good image. And of course, it would be a landslide victory no matter what for Trump. But if the economy was able to do the same um, as it was just a couple months ago, and we can blame that on China, not China, not Chinese people, but the Chinese government for their misinformation and for their lives. So this actually hurts Joe Biden in a way because he really needs to get his act together and attack Donald Trump. If you look at the Democratic debates, all they do is bash Trump. If if that is the main focus of the debates, if that is what American voters are focusing on, that puts a bad, you know, many Democrats will not like Trump. Uh, they already do not like Trump. But having that focus of, you know, hurting Trump and not doing good for him is not as good for Trump. But because Biden is falling apart so hard, in a way, it's almost good that he's not being covered as you know, many of his interviews are going terribly wrong at this point. So is this a win for Joe Biden? I would I would say probably not. But at the same time, you know, when the debates happen, American voters will see who Joe Biden is. His radical policies, which many people consider him to be a moderate. The only reason he's considered to be a moderate is because he's up against Bernie Sanders, who is practically a communist. He went on his honeymoon to the USSR. Like, are you serious? <laughs> so Bi- Joe Biden has many extreme policies. We actually talked about this in the last, last episode or the couple of episodes before that, which you can go and listen to now wherever you get your podcasts. But if you start to look at Joe Biden's policies, what he actually believes, you start to see how he's really radical. And when Donald Trump actually goes against Joe Biden, it's really going to be a landslide victory for President Trump. Because Democrats take your pick. It's between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. If you pick Bernie Sanders, who is practically a communist, easy time for Trump. Even Democrats, even moderate Democrats would not vote for Bernie Sanders just because of how insanely far left that he is, the insanely far policies that, uh, far left policies that he takes. He supports the Green New Deal, which costs $93 trillion. So Joe Biden does look like more moderate candidate who may be able to bring in more voters, but then there would be a lot of young Bernie Sanders voters, um, supporters, who would not vote for Joe Biden because they feel that the party needs to go more radical. So having that split between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders is really hurting the Democratic Party. Now, there have been a couple of suggestions to suggest that Joe Biden should pick Bernie Sanders as his vice president. However, that would be an interesting concept. First, Joe Biden has already came out and said that he would pick a female VP candidate. So Bernie Sanders is obviously not female unless he randomly decides to, quote-unquote, change his gender, which doesn't make any sense. For the party who says that, you know, Republicans don't believe in science, and for the ones who also say that you can change your gender at any... Interesting. Any Anyway, off-topic a little bit. But Joe Biden picking Bernie Sanders as a vice president, that would just bring Trump's attacks on Bernie Sanders as a, as a candidate. So there's really no win-win solution for the Democrats, it mainly looks better for Joe Biden just because he is a little more moderate than Bernie Sanders. But you've got the problem, as as what we just viewed now, that he can't sing, string a sentence together, which 
is doesn't look good for him if you go up in a debate and Joe Biden just looks confused, sleepy, and doesn't know where he is the entire time, and Donald Trump is crushing him. So, lose-lose situation for Democrats. I look forward to viewing the, uh, watching election night, seeing how this all turns out. Definitely a landslide victory for Donald Trump another four years. Now, we do have to address, however, that the coronavirus is a big thing right now that could hurt Donald Trump's presidency. Now, they've extended social distancing guidelines. They've been working on a vaccine and some treatments. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, you know, has been recommended. All of these different drugs that are being tested, some being approved by the FDA. If this thing can, if the coronavirus can be done by June, especially more time for debates between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, easy victory for Trump. The longer this thing lasts, the more it hurts Trump. Because while you've got a good polling support for Donald Trump and his response to this, the longer this happens, the more the unemployment rates go up. Some some economists are even suggesting that the unemployment rate could go up to 30%. So you've got a nightmare situation if this thing were to be prolonged. However, because many people support what Donald Trump is doing, because Trump is doing a lot to try and help his election chances in 2020, we likely won't see this thing, the coronavirus, go on for much longer. The shorter this happen, the shorter this goes on, the easier it is for Donald Trump to win in 2020. So that's just some news, not talking about the coronavirus. Actually, we kind of did anyway, but focusing on Joe Biden instead of the coronavirus, getting away from that news, a little more interesting as we've been flooded with coronavirus news. But of course, the main news of the day has all been coronavirus, as this has been the main issue that Americans and the government is facing today. There's many constitutional issues, as if whether the government has the responsibility to shut down gun stores, to shut down churches. We'll talk a little bit about that in some of the coming episodes. We've also talked about it, especially gun stores and them being labeled unessential in some cities. We talked about that last, last episode. You can go view that, where we also talk about the coronavirus relief bill. But today, the big topic is abortion. Now, you may ask, how does abortion have to fit into the coronavirus? But as stores, as cities have been shutting businesses down, state government orders, governors, mayors, you know, all sorts of governmental officials are labeling certain businesses essential and unessential. Now, we'll get to abortion in a second, but it's, it's interesting to me to see how the government has the power to label businesses essential and unessential. It, it kind of confused me because... While they may not provide a quote-unquote essential service, for example, if you're selling a speaker, technically that's not essential and you don't need to survive with it, but building that speaker provides jobs. So to some workers, to some people, that that's a job which provides a source of money to feed their family. So by labeling jobs unessential doesn't actually make sense because that will directly affect the workers who need the money to provide for their family and to get other essential services. So interesting point. However, as a conservative, we all know that abortion is not essential. In fact, it should never be in almost every case. In almost every case. Now, there are exceptions, you know, with the mother's health, if the mother is going to die and it's her or the baby, there are some exceptions. But for 
99.99% of the time, abortion is not necessary and should be ruled illegal. Period. So, abortion is not essential. In fact, I would go even further than saying it's not essential during the time of this crisis. It's never essential. Abortions should never happen. Because it's killing a baby. That We've gotten into on the show abortion, comparing it to slavery, the arguments. We've also gotten into arguments of when life begins. We won't get into that in this episode. We're going to be focusing more on what the New York Times opinion article has to say. So here's what the New York Times has to say. They say, quote, it's hardly new for anti-abortion politicians to season any excuse to try to restrict women's bodily autonomy, um, but it is at a new low to exploit a pandemic that's already cost hundreds of American lives and threatens many thousands more. In recent days, leaders in several states, including Texas, Ohio, and Louisiana, have pushed to close abortion limits on several curtail access, arguing that abortions is non-essential procedure that ought to be delayed. The non-essential bit of obvious nonsense and the delay a tra- and the delay a transparent attempt to put abortion out of reach for those who need it. As several major health care groups noted in a joint statement next week, quote, last week, sorry, quote, abortion is an essential component of comprehensive health care. It is also a time-sensitive service for which a delay for several weeks, or in some cases days, may increase the risk of potentially make it completely inaccessible. The consequences of being unable to obtain an abortion profoundly impact a person's life, health, and well-being. Now, before we get into it, they... You know, it does note that many states, including Texas, Ohio, and Louisiana, argue that abortion is not an essential procedure that ought to be delayed. Now, I've made my position clear on this. I will make it clear again. It should not be delayed. It should ought to be stopped forever because abortion kills babies and there's no way around it. It kills babies and they can feel the pain. They have heartbeat, you know, for the most part. And, you know, anything before that, it's hard to define why something is in a life, you know, from the moment of conception, the baby has its own unique DNA, which defines a human. Your DNA defines you. And if you have your own unique DNA at conception, well, that's when life begins. So abortion should never happen. So when it says that some states are saying that it should be delayed, no, I disagree. It should be stopped completely, but it is a start. So now let's start back from the beginning, as they say that it's it's hardly new for anti-abortion politicians to seize any excuse to try to restrict women's bodily autonomy. Okay, so they're talking about how pro-life politicians are seizing the moment. Well, are Democrats not doing the exact opposite thing? I mean, Nancy Pelosi tried to put in the stimulus bill abortion contents. Is that not taking advantage of the situation? Uh, it, it is. And... Obviously, abortions are not essential. They should be delayed and they should be stopped. So trying to close these stores is not a wrong move. Trying to close these medical centers is not a wrong move at all. What is a wrong move, which is disgraceful and disgusting, is to try to seek abortion funding in a stimulus bill. Like, you replace, it's hardly new for anti-abortion politicians to seize any excuse to try to restrict women's bodily autonomy. You can literally change that to, it's hardly new for 
pro-choice politicians to seize any excuse to try to promote women's bodily autonomy. Well, first of all, it's not bodily autonomy because it's another babe. It's another body. It's a baby with its own unique DNA. It, its own per, another person. So to suggest that first it's women's bodily autonomy, no, it's not. There's a there's it's a baby. Your right to choose stops it. Their right to live. There's a difference between that. But to suggest that they're seizing the moment, that they're they're trying to find an excuse through the coronavirus. That's exactly what the Democrats are doing. They're trying to sneak abortion funding into the stimulus bill, which makes no sense. So it's kind of hypocritical for them to say that in the first place. Now, they say the non-essential bit is obviously nonsense. It's, it's obviously nonsense. So are you suggesting that we can kill people and it's okay? <laughs> like, the baby has its own unique DNA from the very point it, it starts, from conception. So it's, it's, it's obviously killing someone. So the non-essential bit is obviously nonsense is clearly false. It's clearly false. And, and then in some cases they talk about how abortion is essential component because it may not be able to happen a couple weeks later. These are the same people who are arguing that abortion could, should be able to happen at any point. So that also doesn't make any sense. So this New York Times opinion article I must say, it's funny how the same people that are saying that guns aren't essential, it's a Second Amendment right, but they say that abortion is. So the same people that say, we want to limit your constitutional right, we want to close gun stores because they aren't essential, even though the Second Amendment says they are, and then that killing people is okay. Like, that that doesn't make any sense at all. And that's just some of the blaming going around Republicans and Democrats. That's what New York Times opinion article has to say on abortion. So now we go over to Nancy Pelosi, who announced a House committee to oversee Trump, the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus. So the Daily Wire reports, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, announced Thursday that she was authorized, she has authorized the creation of a special House panel designed to quote-unquote oversee the Trump administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and to monitor how the $2 trillion in third coronavirus relief package is spent. The panel is not specifically tasked with investigating the Trump administration, at least not yet, but in, Pelosi implied in a phone call with reporters Thursday morning that the panel's job is just beginning. We face a deadly virus and, bat and battering economy with millions of Americans suddenly out of work, Pelosi told the press according to CNBC. Congress has taken an important step in leading this crisis by passing three bills with over $2 trillion in emergency relief. We need to ensure these dollars are carefully spent, spent carefully and effectively. Interesting to hear from Nancy Pelosi saying that we need to ensure these dollars are spent carefully and effectively. Well, first of all, let's talk about some of the things that Nancy Pelosi added into the bill. First, $25 million for the Kennedy Center. Not to mention that the Kennedy Center then went to lay off tons of its employees. So the government just gave $25 million for the business to, for the Kennedy Center to lay off a bunch of people. And you're the one saying that this should be spent carefully and effectively? I agree. It's $2 trillion. If you're going to be spending that type of money, it better be, you know, it better be for the better. <laughs> and if you're going to put $25 million towards the Kennedy Center, right, you're the one who should be 
be ensuring that these dollars are spent carefully and effectively. You're the one that's causing the problem in the first place. $75 million to NPR and PBS. And what's that about? And another interesting fact about this is while Nancy Pelosi voted for a pay raise in the bill that she wanted to add, Trump donated his salary. So while you're creating a a House committee to oversee Trump, you're raising your you know hourly wage, and then Trump is donating his to the coronavirus. Does that make any sense at all? Is she the one that's supposed to be saying that that they need to make sure that Trump is spending the money carefully and effectively? No, you're the one that needs to reconsider what you put in the bill and what you forced Republicans to add into it. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> the exact opposite thing should be happening. So, honestly, it's it's really weird for Nancy Pelosi to be doing that because everything she says, she should really just be looking at the mirror in, honestly. She should look at herself, say, oh, oh my gosh, I just added all this stuff that's totally incareful and ineffective. The Kennedy Center, ineffective for sure, giving $25 million, which is ridiculous anyway. And then for the Kennedy Center to then lay off a ton of their workers, like Nancy Pelosi is the one that should be considering this, not Trump. Democrats want to increase spending. Republicans don't. So it's weird for Democrats to say we need to check Republican spending when the Democrats are the ones putting things into the bill that will raise the amount of money spent which doesn't make any sense. Now, let's get into what Trump had to say. So so let's just get into what he has to say right now. In recent weeks, as the virus has spread and economic hardship has followed, we have seen Americans unite with incredible selflessness and compassion. I want to remind everyone here in our nation's capital, especially in Congress, that this is not the time for politics. Endless partisan investigations. Here we go again have already done extraordinary damage to our country in recent years. You see what happens. It's uh, witch hunt after witch hunt after witch hunt. And in the end, the people doing the witch hunt have been losing, and they've been losing by a lot. Uh, And uh, it's not any time for witch hunts. It's time to get this enemy defeated. Conducting these partisan investigations in the middle of a pandemic is a really big waste of vital resources, time, attention. And we want to fight for American lives, not waste time and build up my poll numbers, because that's all they're doing, because everyone knows it's ridiculous. So we want to focus on the people of this country, even the people of the world. We're going to be able to help them, because right now, as an example, we're building so many ventilators. Very, very hard to build, but we're building thousands thousands of them and a lot of them will be coming at a time when we won't need them as badly because it takes time very complex very expensive and we'll be able to help outside of our country we think we'll be able to help that's something that you cannot easily produce as citizens we're linked together by the shared bonds of national love loyalty and affection there's no earthly force more powerful than the patriotic pride that stirs in our hearts and that is so true so that's what Donald Trump had to say, partly in response to, partly in response to Nancy Pelosi and her idea to basically make a House committee to oversee the Trump administration. Now, for all the people blaming Trump for his response, now first of all, as we talked about in the last episode, this is most this is 
completely China's fault for lying, for downplaying the seriousness of this, lying to the World Health Organization, doing all of these actions that could have prevented it. We even talked about a study that found that the coronavirus could have been reduced by 95% if China had just done its job. So really sad to see from China. So for all those who blame Trump, first, look at China. Second of all, Second of all, you know, you got to look at China. Seriously. <laughs> it's really annoying to, you know, to see how they all blame Trump. But second of all, look at the economy. So the economy has fallen a lot. It, you know, the stock market is not doing very good. Unemployment rate is going higher because of the coronavirus. But imagine if we were still under Obama. Trump has grown the economy, has grown the un- the stock market, and has lowered the unemployment rate so much that it has made such a difference in just his presidency, which has been three years at this point, a little more than three years at this point. So, if we were under a Democratic administration and we started at twenty, the Dow Jones being at twenty thousand dollars, imagine how much further it would have dropped. Imagine the position businesses would have been in to create these ventilators that we actually need. Now, because of Trump, because the economy is doing so well right now, we're actually able to produce it and we're going to help try and solve the problem. But if we were at a lower point as we were under Obama, this would be much harder to do. The response would be much more limited. So first of all, shame on the Chinese government for lying. And second of all, Thank you, President Trump, for getting the economy in a point where we could handle this type of crash more than we would under any other president, including Barack Obama. Just imagine if Hillary Clinton won the presidency, how crazy that would be. So the last piece of news we get to today happens to be about the my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Now, New York Times everyone is freaking out about the my pillow guy going on a white house press briefing now here's what let's just get into what new york times has to say before we get into what actually happened so they say quote one high point of the we love business trumpathon came from the president brought up came when the president brought up mike lindell the head of my pillow lindell then launched into a short infomercial for his company, followed by a eulogy to Trump as the man who had rescued a nation that had been, quote, turned its back on God, quote, and it's inspi- and it wasn't inspiring, but it was definitely a break in the routine. Lindell is a Fox celebrity, a big Trump donor, and and the president would like to see him run for governor of Minnesota. Now, let's first talk about what actually happened. So, New York Times describes it as a We Love Business Trumpathon who Mike Lindell went up and gave a short infomercial for his company, followed by eulogy to Trump. Now, if you actually watch the briefing, what actually happened was he came up and he talked, you know, he talked about MyPillow. And then he also said that they're, they're, they're now going to start producing 50,000 masks a day. Now, they're not at that much right now. They're building up to that. They're going to make 50,000 masks a day. Imagine how big that is. This is proof that capitalism works, that businesses can step up to the challenge and is more and is more equipped to do this than the government actually is. So producing 50,000 masks a day, that's great. And if they want to give a short infomercial because of what they're doing, fine. A short infomercial. You know, 
seriously, fine. If you're going to do that type of thing for the American people, if you're going to step up and help America, do whatever you want. So then he decided to to go off script, and then he thanked President Trump, and he thanked God, and he said, you know, that God changed the course of history by by allowing Trump to get elected. You know, just a little religious thing, thanking Trump. Nothing wrong with it. And the media and Democrats are all over the fact that he mentioned God and that he gave a short infomercial. <laughs> Did you not just realize that he said he's going to produce 50,000 masks a day? And many, many Democrats are suggesting that this is a violation between the separation of church and state. Even the founders believed that it was important to teach the Bible. Even the founders believed that. If the founders, the same people who who talked about the separation between church and state, Thomas Jefferson believed that, it's obviously not what they meant. It's obviously not what they meant between the separation of church and state. What the separation between church and state actually means is not having a government-sponsored religion. To not have a religion sponsored by the government. And is that in any way happening here? Saying a business owner who says, who's going to produce 50,000 masks for American people to say that he believes in God, is that a separation between church and state? No, of course not. By that same reasoning, you'd say any president who believes in God shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be the president. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Now, if the government came out and said, all right, America's official religion is, you know, Christ, uh, Catholicism, and we're going to sponsor it, everyone has to be Catholic. Uh, that would be a serious violation between the separation of church and state. But by a business owner saying that they believe in God and thanking God for allowing them to, you know, be at a position where they can make 50,000 masks a day, that is not a separation between separation. That's not, that's not at all a violation of the separation between the church and state. Thanks for listening to this episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson, and stay tuned for more.